Easter. All right. Front row's alive. The rest of you are not too sure. Well, Jesus is alive, so that's good enough for me. So praise the Lord. I'll worship Him today. Uh, hopefully, y'all wake up here in a little bit. But we're thankful we got a good start to our morning. Uh, we want to just thank each one of you guys for being here today. We had a great start with our sunrise service and breakfast. Thank y'all to who, uh, all who came out. We had a great crowd this morning and looking forward to worship today. A few announcements today uh, for church folks. Uh, the new church directory is going to be coming out soon. The deadline to turn in the form is today. Uh, the extra forms are in the back. If you have questions, comments, concerns, problems, issues, anything like that, then please see Sharon or I'll, I'll take the rough ones if I got to. Uh, but uh, we do want to make sure you turn that in uh, completed uh, so that way you can be included in the new directory. Um, tonight, you do have an insert. Uh, these are uh, your home devotions. We're not having evening service tonight. So that is for you guys. And then as well, uh, this Wednesday, the 12th, we've got a missionary with us, Josh Clower. Uh, he'll be presenting his work and as well preaching the word uh, Wednesday night. So looking forward to that. He's going to be going to Mozambique. And so if you're not sure of where Mozambique is and you're at least curious about that, come Wednesday night, uh, hear where our brother is being uh, sent to and uh, how we can support him and, and uh, pray for him. Then as well, uh, Sunday, April 23rd, we're going to be having baptism and Lord's Supper that morning. If you need to be baptized, please see me, all right? I've already got a couple, and so we want to make sure that we get everybody uh, that, uh, that needs uh, Duncan, all right? So y'all come see me, and I'll get to talk to you and plan that out. But looking forward to that day as well. And a little reminder as well, if you're a senior that normally goes for the senior lunches and trips and all that, if you could, for a couple quick minutes, I think Mr. Danny wanted to have a quick talk with you at Raptor Church about an upcoming trip, about some details. And if you can't, then he's going to call every one of you at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's what he said. All right? <laughs> Not really. He might, though. I don't know. Uh, but let's go ahead this morning. Uh, I hope that you're glad to gather to worship the Lord. We gather every Sunday, by the way, because Jesus is alive, because He rose from the dead. And so we ought to have a joy and excitement. Go ahead and get every afternoon plan that you've got out of your mind. All right, It doesn't even exist. All that exists is right now we are called together as a local body of Christ to worship our risen King. So let's do just that this morning, all right? I want to read for you a scripture that probably is very familiar. We read it this morning. And I hope that this helps you as we prepare our hearts for worship. Early that morning, they had gone to the tomb. The ladies did. They were expecting to see a dead body. Instead, they found the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. An angel said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you that he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. Today we can remember and rejoice in the words of Jesus Christ that he said he would be delivered, that he would lay down his life for the sins of, of the world, that he would give his life a ransom for many, and he would pick up his life on that third day, that resurrection morning. That's what we celebrate. That's the good news of the gospel today. Remember the words of Christ. Rejoice in the words of Christ. And today, as we stand and sing here in just a moment, may we sing and praise God in spirit and in truth and worship our risen Lord. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this, this opportunity that we can gather once more uh, to be in your house, to be in your presence, to hear your word. God, I pray that you would uh, just give us a sweet spirit of unity as we gather today, Lord, that you would rid us of all distractions. God, that your word would go forth, would accomplish great things, would be applied by your spirit. We pray for uh, unction and conviction uh, from your word today, God, that we would worship 
the risen Lord. God, we thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus. We thank You for the gift of salvation. We thank You that we can celebrate the resurrection, not just on Easter morning, but every Sunday we gather, every day that we gather. The resurrection has given us hope and life and a confidence for the future. So God, help us now to stand and to sing and to worship You, Lord. Lord, You are worthy. So God, may we sing as such. We love You. We thank You for this time. We give it to You now. Have Your will and Your way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Praise the Lord. He is risen. Amen. Blessed be the name of our Lord and Savior because He is risen. He is risen indeed should have been your response. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you're able, please stand. We'll get started in our singing service here, our worship. And it's going to be about our risen Savior, by the way. Christ arose is our first song, hymn number 357. In Acts chapter 2, verse 24, it tells us, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Death cannot hold him in the grave. Amen. Here, uh, Christ arose.
remain standing. Our next song is at Calvary, hymn number 492. Luke tells us in uh, chapter 23, verse 33, And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. He is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed. Christ the Lord is risen today. Sing ye heavens and earth we 
Let's give the Lord a big hand. Okay, before you sit down, let's uh, make everyone feel welcome. Shake a hand, smile, say hello. You can move around. You can sit, whatever you desire. Just make sure you tell a vicar. Thank y'all. I want to make sure that all our visitors uh, feel welcomed here today, and you are. God bless you. Okay, we have some special music this morning. Miss Emma going to sing the first one, then Miss Cammy the second one. And that two's all we have. I'm sorry, I could have had more, I guess. But no, that's, uh, that's a blessing that we got two singers this morning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'll just tell y'all straight out that I am not a piano player, so if I mess up, you just pretend you didn't hear it, okay? <laughs> um, the song that I'm going to sing this morning is one that I actually uh, wrote this week, and it's called To the Cross, and whatever you are facing or whatever is on your mind, or if you need to be saved this morning, all you have to do is go to the cross. Y'all pray for me, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Can I bring these broken parts? 
won't tell y'all what she said to me. <laughs> Sorry, I thought my pages were out of order. We're good. Oh 
It is finished, and it gave up the ghost. All righty. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And y'all please pray with me as we bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday. We thank you, Lord, for the Lord just raising from the dead for us. And, Lord, we didn't deserve it. We were sinners. And you're so holy and righteous. But you did it because you loved us. Thank you, Lord, for that love, that wondrous love, that amazing love. And, Lord, help us to love others just like you love, Lord. Help us to be more like you. Lord, we pray for us to be one in our midst here today without you as Lord and Savior. We pray that today would be the day of salvation for that individual. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God draw that one to you, Lord, and uh, that they'd be saved for it's eternally too late. This uh, blessed so much, Lord, in the remainder of the service because you've blessed a lot right now, Lord, and uh, we just praise you for it and thank you. Ask, Lord, you'd be with our pastor and help him to preach your word this morning. Lord, help us to be receptive of the preaching of your word. And, Lord, help us to be changed individuals here today from the foolishness of preaching. Lord, we praise you and thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able, one more time, please stand. We'll sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Revelation 5.12 tells us, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings and much more, but that's all that verse could hold. Amen. He is worthy, the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God. He is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. All my sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the Wash me in your cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace, worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne, we crown you now with many crowns, you reign Love, Lord. 
Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. We crown you now with many crowns. You reign seated. Well, good morning again. Thankful to gather and worship the risen Lamb of God. Take your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 this morning. One begin reading verses 36 on down. Jesus is appearing to his disciples later that resurrection day. Before the sun came up that morning, he had already come out of the grave. The stone was rolled away. I don't believe by Roman guards. I don't believe by the Jews. I don't believe by the disciples, but the Lord himself, the same Jesus who said, let there be light and spoke all things into existence is certainly able to make a stone roll away. He said and had told his disciples in the crowds long before during his ministry as he preached and as he taught, he said, no man takes my life from me, I lay it down and I pick it back up. He had laid down his life just a few days earlier on that Thursday afternoon as he laid down his life upon that cross, as he shed his precious blood as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. There he paid the price he went into the grave and according to the Scripture, rose in the third day according to the Scripture to offer forgiveness of sins, eternal life, hope to all who will repent and believe. That same Gospel was true then for salvation. It is still offered and true for us today. Without the Gospel, we have no hope. The Gospel is the good news and it's such good news not just because Jesus died for me, but He rose for me as well. Jesus is alive forevermore. It says, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of boiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. Let me pause there for a moment. Y'all, ghosts don't eat. He rose from the dead. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, he is not God. 
He could not be our Savior, and there is no point in being here this morning. Thank God Jesus got up and He ate something. When you eat, it proves that you are alive, does it not? Even there in His resurrected body, He ate and proves His humanity, His deity, His resurrection, and it tells me and you that one day in heaven, we're at least going to eat boiled fish and honeycomb. I don't know if you like it now. We might like it then. I don't know. Nevertheless, He took it and He ate before them. Why? Because they still did not believe. But I want you to pay attention to this. And He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning Me. Then opened He their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of My Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Let us pray. Lord God, we pray. I pray, Lord, desperately this morning. There's an immense amount of weight, Lord, to preach Your Word and to preach it on a day like this. God, I need You to do this. Lord, I have no strength. I have no knowledge that can help anyone today except You. God, I pray that You would open up our understanding, including mine this morning, that we might know Christ all the more, that we might see the risen Savior, that we might see Your Son, that He might be glorified. I pray if there's one today who does not know Christ, that You would draw them to repentance and faith, that they would be cleansed by His blood, that they would put their trust in Him. God, we pray for salvations today. We pray for the saints today, God, that we would be reunited with a love for the Gospel. Lord, help me this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to look back at the previous passage. We read that because in that passage we see Jesus here, the resurrected Lord, reveals Himself to His disciples, but He reveals Himself in two ways. And it's the same way that He does today. Through His Word and by His wounds. His words tell us of His wounds for us there upon that tree, the old rugged cross where He bled, where He died, where the precious, spotless, without blemish Lamb was slain and slaughtered, not just for your sins, but because of your sins. And because of His great love for us. If He does not love us, He's not going to die for us. And if we had not ever sinned, He'd have no reason to die. But you and I in our sin need a Savior and in God Himself. And the very fact that He is love, that He is one who bestows grace and mercy to those who need it most, even to the unlovable, even to the rebel, even to the sinner who has shaken his fist has clenched his heart at God. He bleeds and dies for them to cover their sins so that they don't have to go to hell. That's you and me today. I believe today that you and I as the church of God, we need a reminder of what this means, that Christ not only rose from the dead, but what He did on the day of His resurrection. He wasted no time to reveal Himself 
But the way in which he revealed himself is he did not just ascend up into the clouds and open up the heavens and open up all the ears of the entire world of the billions in existence and with a giant loud megaphone or with the voice of an archangel cry out, I am Jesus, I have bled, I have died, I have risen again, believe ye on me. Could he have done that? Yes. How do I know? He's God. He can do what he wants. What did he do? Jesus went back to the book. Jesus went back to the written Word of God. What we find here, go with me back to verse 13 of Luke 24. On that Sunday morning, Jesus raises again the third day as it was according to the Scriptures what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is after all the Sabbath has passed. Earlier that week, there was a high Sabbath day, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and then a regular Sabbath on that Saturday. This is now Sunday morning, the first day of the week. The travelers who have entered into Jerusalem may now freely come and go as they please. During the Sabbath, you could not travel very far, nor could you carry the things that you were traveling with because that was considered work. So on this day, they are now free to go home, to go about their business, to return to work, to return to their life as normal. It says, And behold, two of them, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Altogether, it's about seven miles away. Now, they didn't hop in their car. They didn't jump in their Chevy pickup truck and scoot on down and pass a couple Fords on the, on the side of the road and wave at them and say, hope you had a good Passover, right? None of that. They're walking. Uh, to, to walk seven miles at an average pace for all of us, and this might not be you and it might not be me, but it takes about two, two and a half hours or so. Some of you go, it's going to take all day. All right, we're going to thumb a ride. That's all right. We'll catch the next bus. But they're walking. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, meaning they're not just walking and going, oh, this sure is a nice day. It's a lovely day. I can't wait to go home. You know, Dorothy said, no place like home. Can't wait to be back. Boy, Passover sure was good this year. That's not what they're talking about at all. As a matter of fact, they're reasoning about the things that just took place. They are doing some heavy considering about what they have just seen and witnessed and heard over the past 72 hours or so. Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. I love this about the resurrected Lord that He comes and goes as He pleases. We find that He's even about to, in the passage we just read, literally just walk through walls like it's nothing. Doesn't even need the door. Doesn't matter. Any of those things. But I love that Jesus could have gone anywhere and done anything. He could have went to the rich. He could have went to the poor and the lame. But instead what He does is He goes to two folks who are walking on their way, who have heard about all that has just transpired, and He walks along with them. Jesus Himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. Meaning this, they're walking with the resurrected King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who had just been slain and risen, who they've heard all these things about, and they're walking next to Him and don't have a clue. I don't know about you, but that gives me a tremendous amount of hope. To be honest with you, there's some times in our life, in my life, where we're walking along life's road and we're tired, we're weary, and we don't even feel as if He's with us. And there He is. Just that our eyes don't see. 
I want you to know that's the truth about the Gospel. That's the truth about who Christ is. But the great news is that the Lord desires to open up our eyes today. Not just simply the Gospel to open up the eyes of those who are lost, but the Gospel to reopen the eyes of those of us who have gone asleep at the wheel. Those of us who have taken Sunday for Sunday for granted. Those of us who have taken year after year of sunrise service and Easter and then dressing up, getting pictures, going and eating some ham at someplace, somebody's house and going home and then going back to the work week. We've taken all of these things for granted. Our eyes need reawakening and only the Gospel can do such. He said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Notice what Jesus asks here. Do you think Jesus knows? Of course He does. Why? Once again, He's God. He knows the very heart. He knew them before they were even existing. He formed and fashioned them. He knows everything about them. He knows them better than they know them. And He asked them the question, what manner of communication? He says, what are you talking about? What are you guys reasoning over? He says, how come you're walking after Passover and you're so sad? My goodness gracious, if, I, if we said this sort of thing in the parking lot after church service, why are you leaving church looking so sad? Didn't you just hear what they were talking about in there? Jesus died and rose again. And you're, and you're driving to Rio with the biggest frown on your face? I mean, come on. Jesus asked this, and why? And one of them said, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said to him, Art thou the only stranger in Jerusalem? and has not known the things which are come to pass in these days? He says, are you the only one that has come to Jerusalem this week and ain't got a clue what's going on? How foolish. But he doesn't know. He can't see. Jesus is right there and he can't see Jesus. I'm afraid this is many of us today. This is many folks who come to church, whether you're regular, not regular, or whether you're just... Who knows? I don't even know if there's anything else in between that. This might be your first time. It might be your last time. You might be here every week. You might have been here since they found the place. But how many times we can hear the preaching of who Christ is and our eyes still yet beholden of it. Meaning, preventing. It's as if we got scales. It's as if our eyes are closed. It's as if we got blinders. All they're focused on is we're just trying to get to Emmaus. We're talking about these things. And who is a stranger? And he's walking with us. And now he's asking us, what in the world... Happened? How do you not? Didn't you just come from Jerusalem? You haven't heard? Had Jesus not heard, he did more than hear about what had happened, hadn't he? Jesus, as a matter of fact, as the Bible tells us, is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus knew about the cross and the resurrection before the very first atoms were made. Before He said, let there be light, He knew about the cross. He knew about the resurrection and willingly and lovingly was prepared to give His life to the glory of God the Father. To reveal Himself to His people. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass in these days? Look at Jesus' response in verse 19. He said unto them, what things? what things I wonder this morning if someone asked you when you left church today what things did you hear about in church 
Why were you there? Why did you go on Easter morning? When you could have been anywhere, why did you go? What things? What in the world would you say? Well, that's just what we do. It's what I've always done. My family goes. It's tradition. I want you to know none of those things matter or are a good answer at all. It is because Christ died and rose again. That is the only answer. It's not even the best answer. It's the only answer. Jesus says what things? Why? Because He wants to hear it from them. What, what do y'all think happened? And it matters what you think happened here on that day. It matters what you believe. And the only thing that matters truthfully in this life, in the life to come, is what you believe about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Outside of that, that is the difference between heaven and hell. It is the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. It is the difference between hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and depart from me, curse you and everlasting. I never knew you. Where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There will be no more mercy. That's the difference. But I would say to you, believer, as well today, your remembrance of the Gospel is the determining factor of how you will live your Christian life. You will either continue to live it in the misery of which many do today, you will live your sluggish, sanctified life where you just go up and down and up, or just ride this awful line of lethargy and apathetic mentality of going about your Christian life. If the Gospel is enough to save you and empower you and, and, and do all that it's done for you, don't you think it's enough to live today? It's not just powerful enough to save, it's powerful enough to sanctify. And what we find is that we all need the Gospel message. He says unto them, and they're talking to Jesus and don't even know it. He, they say concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who, who's that? The one they're walking with. Notice what they say about Him. They say, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Was Jesus a prophet, uh, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people? Absolutely. None could preach like Jesus. None could heal like Jesus, because none could heal except for Jesus. It is He who spoke life. It is He who gave life. It is He who forgave sins. It is He who rose others from the dead. It is He who gave sight to the blind. It's He who preached to the masses. And He didn't always preach what everyone wanted to hear, but rather, He preached the Word of which He came to preach. And how the chief priests, notice this in their view, they do not blame the Romans here, but they say the chief priests and our rulers delivered Him to be condemned to death and have crucified Him. Everybody would have heard about a crucifixion. Even today, we don't hear much about the death penalty, but when someone's going to be put to death, normally there's an article out somewhere floating around. Such and such will be put to death and the death penalty in the state of such and such for the crime of such and such, and here's how they, it will be administered. And all of us read it, and we keep on going. Everyone knew about the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, they were led through the city and up on top of a hill. Everybody knew that week. The city would have been ablaze with this news. It says, but we trusted. We believed. We had faith that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. 
The issue is Israel's eyes were holden, meaning Israel had rejected their king. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen visions of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us to this, uh, uh, with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. You can imagine. There, the women had seen. They went to the disciples. Then Peter and John, according to the gospel, uh, the, the the gospel of John, they go running. John beats him there. He stops at the tomb. He looks. He goes, "There's no, nope. He's not there." Peter goes, runs in, looks, stoops down. He's not there. They leave pondering. They leave wondering. And now you can imagine, as the news continues, there's others who go, "Well, I want to see the tomb that had a dead guy, and now now he's not there." It, it doesn't happen often. If you had an article in Carroll County that said. A string of grave robberies. You're going to read that sucker. You're going to talk about it at Crooked Oak. You're, you're going to go around. You, did you hear? That was so-and-so's uh, grandpappy, right? You're going to talk about all that stuff. It's going to go around like wildfire. Everyone wants to see and to hear what has taken place. Because when dead people are put in the grave, that's where they stay. But because Jesus has resurrected, I'm not going to stay in the grave. There is coming a day of resurrection. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because of His life, I have life now and forever and forever. And if I drop dead now, it will not be death's victory over me. Rather, I will go from death to life, from here to there in a moment. Will not make a difference. But look at the way that Jesus responds. Jesus knew all this long before they did. Matter of fact, He's the one that they're talking about. He's the one that lived it. <coughs> and He said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Notice how he speaks. Fools. Slow of heart. Slow of heart to believe. These folks knew the Bible. They knew the Scripture. And yet they could not recognize what had come to pass. There are plenty of folks that have held a Bible, read a Bible, studied a Bible, but yet still don't know the God of the Bible. There are plenty of folks today who know all sorts of theological truths about God, plenty of cliches, but have never come to a place, a real, definite, repentive knowledge of who Christ is. It does not matter to me today if you simply say, well, I know that He died and that He rose again. That's wonderful that you know it. Do you believe it? You can know here without knowing and believing here. And that will be the difference for your eternity. He says, fools, slow of heart to believe. Notice he says, all that the prophets have spoken. Why? Because they told about everything that would take place and Jesus fulfilled it all. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was prophetic and He fulfilled it to every jot and tittle. 
He says, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? Now look here at the way He reveals Himself. Even back in verse 16, He could have said, hey guys, it's me. He doesn't do that. What does He do? He gets to the Word. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. This Bible is not a list of do's and don'ts. It is not a phone book. It is not a a law book. It is a book that is inspired by Almighty God Himself. It is the God-breathed words of God, the very breath of God, that points us to one person and one person only. The Lord Jesus Christ. This book is about Him. Who He is. What He is like. What He has done. What He is doing. What He will do. You go, well, what about random different verses all throughout the Bible? That doesn't say that it's about Him. Well, how about this? That particular verse may not be about Him, but I can tell you in the greater context, it's going to point to Christ. You say, what about what about Moses' writings? What did he write? The first five books of the Bible. Very, from the very beginning, notice this. You want to start from the beginning with Moses where Christ is? Well, he's there in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He's there at creation. How about this? Just two chapters over, man has fallen. And the, the first giving of the gospel is there. In Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman in between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is speaking of the promised seed that will come, that will crush the head of the serpent. Though he might have his heel bruised, he will be victorious. That is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then just a few verses later, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the one who has the physical hands and the physical feet. He is the one who would slay this lamb. And what a foreshadowing, beautiful picture of what would take place. That in order to forgive sins, in order to clothe nakedness before God, there must be, there must be an innocent one slain. There must be a substitute. There must be a different kind of clothes that you and I cannot provide for ourselves. In Exodus, he speaks to Moses at the burning bush. It is the Lord our God who sends forth the plagues to let Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and His people Israel know that He is the Lord God. It is He who is the true Passover Lamb. It is He who allows His people to press onward. It is He who provides for His people in the wilderness. It is He who gives the law on Sinai and all of His glory and all of His beauty riding with the very finger of God. It is He who would hide Moses in the cleft of the rock and would pass by in His glory and cause Moses' face to shine. For he had seen the back parts, the afterglow of God Almighty. It is Jesus Christ who would have the sun stand still for Joshua in the day of battle. It is Jesus Christ who would fulfill the law because He's the only one that ever kept the law. It is Jesus Christ who would take us and move us from being under the law to being under grace. By grace have you been saved through faith. 
Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And furthermore, throughout the law of Moses, what we find is day in and day out at the tabernacle, which is a picture of Christ, every single part of it. Daily there would be sacrifice. Daily blood would be shed. And yearly on the Day of Atonement, there would be blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat of God to make atonement available for the people. But it must be applied, and it's only applied by faith in God's promise and God's provision. It is as well on that day that a scapegoat would have the sins, literally, if you will, placed upon him and sent away from the camp. And that's what happened at Calvary just days prior to this traveling day to Emmaus. We see then how about, he says, beginning at Moses, and you continue on, all the prophets. You know who that is? That's the rest of the Old Testament. Everyone else that preached, thus saith the Lord, they did so because God gave them the Word and they wrote down the Word. They preached the Word. And this is why the Word of God matters today. I've never seen the resurrected Lord, but I've seen Him every time I open up this book. We can see by faith much greater than even what they could as they walked to Emmaus that day. Jesus, the incarnate Word, preaches the inspired Word and no one is a greater expositor of the Word of God than the Word of God Himself. He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures as we ought to do because Christ is in all the Scriptures because all the Scriptures point to Christ. You say, well, it might be about David in that passage. That might be true, but guess what? Jesus Christ is the seed of David. He's a greater David. He's the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant in the first place. We find that it is Jesus Christ alone that this book is about. He is the reason for all things. They drew nigh into the village. Remember, this is about a two to three hour walk. Maybe longer for some of us that day. It says, and he made as though that he would have gone farther. Jesus has all the time in the world. He's not a bit rushed with the Word. He could keep on preaching. He could keep on going. And he could keep on walking in the fellowship, revealing himself to them. And notice this. They constrained him, saying, Abide with us. That idea of constraining, it's literally as if they're tugging on his clothes. Please stay with us. When we don't have that attitude when the word of God is open, it's not because something's wrong with the word of God, it's because something's wrong with us. It is the Word of God, the love of Christ, that constrains us, that compels us to draw near to Him. And every time this book is open, we should be constrained. You and I, the issue with us is that we want to live in the flesh. We want to live outside of the bounds of this book. But the binding of this book does not bind us to a wicked master or an evil master. No, rather, it binds us to our Heavenly Father through the blood of Christ the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Notice what Jesus does. He couldn't went anywhere. Instead, he goes in and tarry with them. It came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. <coughs> he had just done that a few days ago with his disciples. What you and I celebrate is the Lord's Supper. Nevertheless, here he takes bread, he blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And look at verse 31. Their eyes were opened and they knew Him. 
and he vanished out of their sight. We need our eyes opened by the Word of God through the Word of God. What we need today is to see the blessed hope of the Gospel of Christ that He has came, He has died, He has risen again. You say, how are their eyes opened? I don't know. I do know it was a work of God that showed them through the Scripture and their eyes are open. And the moment their eyes are open, they believe and they're about to go do a U-turn to go tell somebody. Because when our eyes are open to the Scripture, it will not lead to inaction, but rather to the proper action of praising the Lord our God and proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps when He took bread and blessed it and raises it up, perhaps they look and they see His hands scarred. Perhaps then they notice for the first time His nail-pierced feet. Nevertheless, what we know is that they believe and they do something about it. They said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose up the same hour. They were getting ready to stay in for the night. They get up. They returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how He was known of them in breaking of bread. They say, we've seen Him. We walked with Him. We talked with Him. He preached to us for a couple hours. He came into our house he broke bread and he was gone. Now, this is why this is important as we get into verse 36. As they thus spake, you can imagine this, as they're going, look, we're telling you the truth. He's alive. He's actually alive. We saw him. Tell him, Cleopas, we've seen him. He was right there. You ever been so excited about news that people think you're crazy about it? They say, oh, no way. It happens with little kids all the time. They they come, they're full of excitement, they're full of life and energy, and they done seen something. They got to come. I, I see, I see. It was, it was, it was, oh, it, it, it slowed down, right? Spit it out. What did you see? And we go, oh, okay, We're, I'm sure that you did. Now go play. Here, look at this. Here's disciples who should have known the word, who should have known because they were there, as Jesus said. I'm going to lay down my life and pick it up again. And they're like, okay, makes perfect sense. Not really. Sounds good, Jesus. Keep doing those miracles, man. You're doing great. They're affrighted. They're fearful. Jesus speaks some of the same words that He had just said to them the night before His betrayal. The night of His betrayal as He's about to go and to go through this mock trial and then go into a scourging where He will be beaten and bloodied, and then lay down His life upon that cross. His disciples that night, they're going to flee. They're going to run. They're going to be dispersed. He had just told them in the upper room that night, one of you is going to betray Me. I'm going to leave. And they get scared. And He says, let not your heart be troubled. Here, when He walks into the room, peace be unto you. 
Because Jesus has resurrected, there is peace. Without the resurrection, there is no peace. Without the cross, without the resurrection, we could have no peace with God. We could have no peace within. We could have no peace without with our fellow man. They were terrified, terrified and affrighted. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Handle me, and see, for spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. He reveals himself through the word, but he also reveals himself through the wounds. You see, his disciples, as long as they had walked with him, still yet couldn't even believe the prophets. And as a matter of fact, Jesus talked about this to the Pharisees and to the countless people of the Jewish nation. As he preached them, he said, I am these things. I'm the one that gave the, the law and the word to Moses. Before Abraham was, I am. Not just I was, I am. Jesus had revealed Himself as plain as day. The Word was there and they could not yet see. And so the next best thing is He says, Behold. Look at the wounds. Today, I believe that we as the people of God need to once more look at the Word of God. Believe the Word. But we need to think afresh again about the wounds of Christ. Those wounds upon those hands which were outstretched for us, for our sin, because of our sin, and that our sin was placed upon Him. He was made a curse for us. He was condemned so that we could be declared not guilty. Our unrighteousness was imputed to Him so that He could impute, give us His righteousness. He died for my sin. He did so lovingly and willingly. And even yet, even though they've seen the wounds in His hands, in His feet, it says, and while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, He said to them, have ye here any meat? They gave Him that piece of broiled fish and the honeycomb and He took it and he did eat before them. And he spake unto them. Here we find that the word of God points to the wounds. But the wounds point back to the word. Jesus says, doing this, Jesus could have walked around doing this, and this should have been enough, don't you think? You would think it'd be enough. And it wasn't. He says, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written where? In the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is given by God so that we can know God. It is God who reveals God to us. It is He who reveals Himself to us so that we can be redeemed by His precious blood. 
I would not know Christ without the preaching of the Word. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's right. Notice what Jesus says. Verse 45, Then opened He their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Jesus opens up their eyes to see the Word of God and it comes alive. Let me ask you, dear believer, when was the last time the Bible was actually alive to you? As long as you remain in your flesh, remain in your own knowledge, remain in your own will and your way, this Bible will just remain a book. The Bible comes alive when our eyes are open to who Christ is. And here's who He is. He is the risen, fully alive, always has been, always will be Messiah. The Christ of God. And He said unto them, Thus it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer. He must suffer. He is the suffering servant seen in Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. He is the promised seed. He is the one who is said to come to take away the sins of the world. Christ must suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. There's the Gospel. Jesus preaches the Gospel because it's the Gospel that makes the difference between life and death. He says, not just this, but He says, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. All nations means all nations. That the way has been made. Here, He says much like what Romans 1 will say. That the Gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Much like He's going to tell them there in Acts chapter 1. Remain here. The Holy Ghost will come and give you power. He's going to give that in a moment. He says, then, preach the Gospel in Jerusalem first, then Judea, Samaria, and other uttermost parts of the world. The Gospel is available to all, but it will not be applied to all. You say, how will it be applied, preacher? It must be applied by faith. You must put your trust in Jesus alone. You say, well, I've done that already. I've heard this all before. Give me something fresh and exciting for the resurrection. Dear believer, is there anything more exciting than the fact that God saved you? Is there anything more exciting in your life or in the Christian world than that Christ came, died for the ungodly, died for those without strength, died in His great love for us, and while we were yet sinners? Is there anything more wonderful than that He laid down His life and took it up again to give you life? Nothing should be as exciting or more thrilling to the soul. This is why the Gospel is needed today to be preached throughout all the nations. But it must first be preached to your heart, dear believer. You won't tell a soul what about Jesus if your soul is not being ignited daily by the power of the Gospel. If you are bored with the death, burial, and resurrection, you are not spiritual. You are not more spiritual because you think you have progressed from the Gospel. As a matter of fact, you are not even a babe. You need to see the Gospel afresh and anew. And if it does not ignite our hearts, then what we need more than anything is to have our eyes opened to who He is that we may believe. But there must be repentance. Repentance is not just a turning from something, it is a turning to something. There are those who argue today that repentance is not necessary for salvation. It always has been and always will be. Repentance and faith go hand in hand, by the way. 
It is a repenting of putting your faith in yourself, your works, your religion, even the law itself, and repenting and turning to Christ. Repenting by grace through faith that you trust in His person and work and who He is and what He's done. You trust in what He's just said, that He came, He died, He rose again. That's all we have. And if the Gospel is all I've got, then I've got more than I'll ever need. He says, and ye are witnesses of these things. They watched the Gospel happen. You and I. Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Let me ask you today, do you believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Today, if you don't, put your trust in that. It's your only hope of eternity. It is your only hope for today. But for you, dear believer, where has our trust gone? If we truly trust and we truly say we believe such, why do we live as if the resurrection is meaningless in our life? It is because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that you and I may now freely say that we are dead, buried, and risen with Christ. We are dead and yet alive. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Right now we are seated in the heavenly places, not for any good works of which we've done, but because Jesus has risen again, and because He has risen, one day you too shall rise. This world is not my home, and even if death takes me today or tomorrow, I will just then begin to truly live. This body might turn into worm food one day, but when Christ comes and calls us out of here, it's going up. To resurrect, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. Where has our hope gone? Where has our passion for telling others about this good news? If the Gospel was enough for you to get up this morning, to put on pretty clothes, to come make a casserole and eat it with everybody else at 7 o'clock in the morning, not even awake yet, to come back here for worship. The Gospel's enough for that. Don't you think the Gospel's enough to tell somebody about? <coughs> so we bring this to a close today. We find two things. We find the wounds of Christ. Behold my hands and my feet. But we find that you and I, though we have not seen Him in the flesh, we see His wounds and His hands and His feet and His side and His brow. We see the Lamb as He was slain. Not in the flesh today, but by faith in what? In His Word. If Jesus did not resurrect, this means nothing. But because He resurrected, this is our bread of life. Today, if you feel malnourished, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're thirsty, if you're struggling, maybe you're not. Maybe you feel like you're doing pretty good. That's wonderful because you still need the Gospel just as much when you're feeling good and close to God as when you feel thrown away like a piece of trash. 
What we need today more than ever, dear church of God, is to see the beauty of the Word of God that shows us His wounds for us. And we can see His wounds because He's risen. He's not in that tomb anymore. Today, I don't know where you are spiritually. I would tell you, if you've never trusted Christ, don't let another moment or day go by. Repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. Put your faith in Jesus Christ alone in His death, burial, and resurrection for the remission of sins. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And for you, dear believer, don't go another moment or day without holding and clinging and being compelled and constrained by the power of the Gospel of Christ. Jesus tells the disciples, Behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you. It's His Holy Spirit. What we find is from the dawn of creation to the great day of consummation, it is an act of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit revealing the Godhead Himself through the Word of God to draw us near to Him. He says, But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Today, you'll never know in your life the power of the Holy Spirit if you're living without the power of the Word. His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, reveals to us the wounds of Christ through the Word of God the glory of God the Father. He unites us together by the Word of God and we are held and united because those wounds were for us all. The atonement has been made. The price has been paid in full. But you must trust in Him. And if you have, keep trusting that the blood, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all you need in this life. Let's stand this morning. So we come to have a time of invitation. If you need to trust Christ today, come, let me take the Bible and show you Jesus. Put your trust in Him alone, and He will save you. Today, if you're struggling, dear believer, come to this old-fashioned altar. Ask the Lord to open your eyes once more to the beauty of the Gospel, to the beauty of the resurrected Christ, that you might be used of Him, that you might live for Him. Would you come today?